you are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama here on your Monday afternoon. Sorry to break it to you. It's another week, but you're spending it the right way on your Monday with Levi and I here in the studio in Auburn, Alabama. Levi, how you doing today, my man? Doing good. Looking a lot better than the weather outside today. It feels good. Looks bad. Yeah, we're barreling towards spring. Happy March. Yeah, I don't know if you've looked at the weather. Tomorrow's supposed to be in the 40s, but everything else, high 60s. It's looking up out here for the warm weather fans out there. It'll trend upwards, I'm sure, as we traips into this month more and more but the number to call 334-321-1390 once again call in at 334-321-1390 phone lines are wide open today we want to hear from you find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater levi auburn did the unthinkable we were hard on them on friday when we were doing our playing the line segment we were talking about over unders we pretty much went against auburn in every category we all picked tennessee to beat auburn and then bam to us auburn did the unthinkable on saturday an impressive victory for auburn at a time where i thought their mental state was at an all-time low this season yeah we we hit on it a little bit where we said bruce pearl's track record against tennessee they all auburn he has auburn playing well against tennessee I don't think we accounted for that as much as we should have when we were looking into everything. Just looking at just looking at a box score perspective, you look at the starting five. Everybody in double digits on points. That's always good. Flanagan, 23 points playing out of position. That's good. He followed up considerably his worst game of his career. Or I shouldn't say of his career, but of this season. His worst game of him while he's having to play out of position probably the worst one this season it i might would be even take career. that filter off of it yeah, i would just I mean, say no, it was the a, worst game yeah. that he had played this season i think when you're talking about seven turnovers he was 0 for 6 from the field only had six points that was in the midweek and then he turns around and he drops 23 at home goes seven for 14 from the field two for five from three seven for 11 from the free throw line had seven rebounds three assists one steal guess what he's not having to run the point anymore nope and that's good. That's that's good for him. When he's not having to do that, he's just a better basketball player. I'll keep saying it. Bruce Pearl said it last week. Top 15 player in this league playing off the ball and not being a point guard. And they moved Jamal Johnson to the starting point guard position for this ball game, and it works out. And I've talked to a few people since this game has occurred. And, you know, I was talking with Zach this morning on News Talk, WA and I, on his show, Auburn Opelika, this morning. And, we were talking a little bit about guard play and Jamal Johnson came up and him playing point guard and what a lot of people don't realize is this guy was a combo guard coming out of high school he was he was listed as he was a highly recruited combo guard coming out of high school ends up going to Memphis things don't work out he transfers to Auburn what a combo guard means out there for the non-basketball folks is he can play he's kind of a tweener between the point guard and the shooting guard position most combo guards have more shooting guard like tendencies but it basically just means a shooting guard 
that can handle the basketball and we, we really haven't seen that from Jamal Johnson whatsoever in his career at Auburn he's been a catch and shoot guy at the three-point line this guy shoots more threes than maybe even Bryce Brown shot and at least at least you know per capita at least in terms of shot selection percentage it feels like Jamal Johnson is catch and shoot more than Bryce Brown was at Auburn but he moves into a point guard position and things go swimmingly he only had one turnover only three assists but Alan Flanagan and Jamal Johnson combining for six assists three turnovers that's a solid point guard play type of afternoon when you're talking about two guys getting you that if that was just one player that got you that you'd be pretty happy I have and I have to just apologize to to everybody who's listening to me talk on this show I've been hard on Jamal Johnson saying that he is just a catch and shoot guy in the corner that's my fault for not digging in and digging deep and realizing he can't be a combo guard and he can play that one position. And I don't blame you, man. We haven't seen anything say, like I ne- that. All I know. Right. I just that was just something we have not seen out of his game, and I'm period not at all. Just haven't only seen until it. now. Like this is the first guy, the the first time in his career at Auburn, at least, where we have seen him put into that type of role. We have not seen him encounter anything like that situation on Saturday to have to be the starting point guard and be a primary ball handler he's been a catch and shoot guy across these last two years that we've seen him play he was largely ineffective last season went super cold in the month of february he has made major improvements as a player in terms of just being a more consistent catch and shoot guy from beyond the arc going from last season to this season but this is if this is something that they can incorporate into his game moving forward maybe Auburn can bridge the gap right now without having Sharif Cooper of course there is a potential there is there is potential for him to play against Alabama tomorrow Bruce Pearl earlier today said that he'll travel with the team they ain't ruling it out there's still a chance for him to play but um you know nothing certain and that's something that I was thinking about not even just from moving forward in the last two games if Sharif Cooper doesn't play just moving forward, adding that dimension to your game and adding that to this roster moving forward, a roster that's already going to be talented top to bottom next year, you're adding this guy who can now come in and handle the ball that we've seen that. He can play that if something, if Auburn goes through a cataclysmic type of season like they had this year where they're just taking gut punch after gut punch and having setback after setback, you at least now know that this guy can come in and play some meaningful minutes at point guard and you're not forcing Alan Flanagan to do that all the time which we saw we have seen all year it just has not worked out you put you put Jamal Johnson in there and it works I'm I'm excited for this kid moving forward because I think he showed me I've been hard on him I've been hard on him whether I've I've said it on this show or just in my head watching games I've been hard on him from just feeling a little bit one-dimensional at times he showed me that he's not and I'm I'm big on that moving forward I think he can incorporate this into his game I think Bruce Pearl probably saw this and is like hey we can use this kid for more than just a catch-and-shoot guy in the corner. And I'm going to pump the brakes on you a little bit right here. I'm not ready to say that this is going to become a permanent part of his game. This I'm not, very I'm, well I'm not could saying be. permanent. I'm just saying that it's nice to know that he can do that moving forward. He I'll can even do that. pump the brakes on that. This could just be a, a one-hit wonder kind of thing. We don't know if this, is, if this can be replicated. I'm not trying that. to be a downer, that. but this is... One time no, that's that we've fair. seen that's it. Fair. That's fair. That's fair to do. That's fair not to get way over into the hype on that. And I, Tennessee I that. is so up and down. We'll see if he's in a similar role on Tuesday night against Alabama if Sharif Cooper doesn't play. Even if Sharif Cooper does play, we'll see if he inhabits this type of role. And I want to add to that, it is monumentally important 
that Sharif Cooper plays tomorrow for Auburn if Auburn wants to have a shot to upset from a depth perspective because Auburn's lineup right now the next guard on this roster that got any minutes in this ball game had two minutes Auburn's starting lineup had three guards Devin Cambridge played 33 minutes Alan Flanagan played 36 minutes and then Johnson played 31 minutes and of course those three guys are going to rotate in and out throughout the ball game you're not going to have all of those players on the floor at the same time Auburn was forced into some larger lineups throughout the game it worked to their benefit they get the ball down low a little bit more often guess what they may have not have had a super high two-point field goal percentage but they had 37 free throws to Tennessee's 10 and that's good I mean, it's good that Auburn's getting to the that's free why throw they line. won yeah they get to the free they got to the free throw line I mean that was just Auburn was plus 15 and made free throws compared to Tennessee in this ballgame that's why they won one by five points Auburn just, just do the math just do the math they won by five points do the math on that one is simple Auburn focused on getting the ball inside more in this ball game and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole I still want to talk about depth and then we'll come back to that I was really pleased with Auburn's shot selection we'll just make a side note on that one but this team does not have quality depth right now at guard the other two guards that played in this ball game that were not a part of the starting five coming off the bench Lior Berman played two minutes and Preston Cook played two minutes you got two walk-ons Preston Cook got into the first half you had walk-ons on in the first half this is like back to the Patrick Kime days when you're talking about how shorthanded Auburn is at guard right now they've only got three and they run a three-guard system so if Sharif Cooper plays and allows you to move one of those guys back to the bench I wonder who it will be whether it will be Jamal Johnson or Devin Cambridge I don't know I would anticipate that maybe it would be Devin Cambridge go down maybe they move Jamal Johnson down and he inserts in for Sharif Cooper and allows Sharif Cooper to get a break I don't know but Auburn desperately needs some depth going into that Alabama game because these guys exerted a lot of energy on Saturday and it's a quick turnaround you only got three days to get back to the grind when you're playing a team like Alabama that is going to run the floor they exerted a lot of energy against Tennessee to get that win and it's awesome that they're undefeated in outlive outlive games it's awesome that they're on a six game winning streak against Tennessee this is a huge win for Auburn but if they want to go out there and beat Alabama on Tuesday night they're going to have to dig deep and find some things out about themselves in terms of energy because it's hard to turn around like that and go from playing full out all effort against Tennessee you're attacking the boards crashing the offensive glass you're beating Tennessee and rebounds 41 to 34 you're putting a lot of intensity out on the defensive end of the floor it take it, it, it's a lot to turn around because the last time Auburn had to do that and they exerted that much energy in a ball game it was the Baylor game and they got smoked at home by Georgia. or not smoked but I mean they got ran out defensively they got smoked and they go on a temporary losing streak and they're one and six across their last seven until they snap that skid they snap that run with the win against Tennessee so concerns going into Tuesday night is where's this team at with energy because they had to exert a lot of it against Tennessee and then depth Sharif Cooper gives Auburn a chance to win this game against Alabama without Sharif Cooper I'm still highly questionable Alabama will have to beat themselves if Sharif Cooper does not play on Tuesday night Alabama will have to beat themselves in order for Auburn to win this game I somewhat agree with that I think that this team's going to come out with more energy than they did after that Baylor game simply for the fact that it's a difference in who they're playing after last time they played the number two team in the nation gave a lot of effort in that came home to Georgia who they'd already beaten pretty badly in Athens 
you're not turning around and playing a team that you're expected to beat at home. This time you're going on the road to, oh, by the way, the winners of the SEC regular division. I think you're going to get hype. That's also your in-state rival. You're going to get you're going to get up for this. And you're game. going to their place, you're and going, you remember what happened at your place. Yeah, and a game that you could have won. That was you know Sharif's first game. You want to come out. I think they're going to come out and play hard regardless. If Sharif plays, it gives him a better chance to win. But I'm not going to completely write this team out. I'm I, not writing them off. I'm I, just saying there's a lot that's going to have to go oh, right yeah, for them to win. You're going to have to see one of those down Alabama games. You know, Alabama at South Carolina type of game for Auburn to have a legitimate shot without Sharif Cooper. Maybe it's the weather outside and I'm coming into this Monday with a downer Gloomy. attitude. Gloomy. But it's not like Auburn looked good on Saturday. Not at all. I mean, you, you need Alabama to miss a good bit of three-pointers and you're going to have to attack inside. You're going to have to do what you did. 37, 37 free throws. You, if you told me Auburn... And they went 24 for 37 if, as well. So this wasn't pretty. If you're telling me that Auburn was going to shoot 37 free throws, I would tell you that you're lying. I don't want to take anything away from Auburn winning this game. It's huge. And Auburn should be thrilled and proud, and Auburn fans should be proud of this win, 100%, because they did it solely based on the effort. If they didn't put the amount of effort and heart that they had into this basketball game, they wouldn't have won. Auburn doesn't get 37 free throws without banging in the post, without putting that effort in. Auburn doesn't win this game if they don't clean the glass like they did. They only won by five, and they were plus fifteen in free throw make and free throw makes. And, you, and, you and how many that. times have we been preaching all year for them to do that? How how many how many times have we came on here and said go inside, work inside out, get free throws? This team could do that. They did it, and they won a basketball game. And the point I'm trying to make here is this game was so close. If you're plus fifteen in free throws in that category and you only won by five, Tennessee probably beat you in run of play outside of you know dead ball situations where you're at the charity stripe. This game was a fine margins, and it was pretty close all throughout the ball game. Auburn pulling this one out, and, and, and it's not like they were like a ton of lead changes or anything like that. It was Auburn led for a large portion of this ball game, but they're only leading you know by five points, six points here and there, and they didn't really pull away until the end. This game was a fine margins. And if Auburn doesn't put that effort that they did into Saturday, they don't win this ballgame. So Auburn folks should be very proud. I'm not trying to take anything away from this. Huge win for Auburn. It's just some things are going to have to go their way on Tuesday night because some things went their way against Tennessee on Saturday. We'll talk more about that ballgame coming up later on the show. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Call in at 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. What were your thoughts on Saturday's ball game? We'll talk football with you. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk baseball. This is a big show. A lot of news over the weekend. And we got it all for you here on On the Line. Talking Auburn basketball in that last segment. It's time to get into crunching the numbers with Sting. Intern Sting on the line with us now. Sting, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Actually, a pretty good Monday here. So I, I'm ready to do this. All right, well, let's get into it. What numbers you got for us on that Auburn game against Tennessee? Crunching the numbers here. All right, so we were talking about it earlier, how Auburn won the turnover battle in this game for, I believe, just the third time in conference play. It is. They're 2-1 and one in those games. First one was against Texas A&M. They lost that game by two. 
course, Justin Powell had a concussion at the end of the game. The second one, I forget, I believe it was, uh, it was, it was Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, it was yes. Kentucky. The first win, the win against Kentucky at home. And then this this just most recent win against Tennessee. And this was another stat that I didn't get into last segment with you guys, but this is like the one pretty stat Auburn had on Saturday. This is it. Of course, it's great to have 37 free throw attempts. Not great to have only made 24 of them, but yeah. this is this is one of two pretty stats that Auburn had. I'll say the 37 free throw attempts is pretty awesome. You look at those three games in conference play where Auburn won the turnover battle, Auburn played ugly in all of them from an offensive standpoint that first kentucky game they only had two points through the first 10 minutes of play four points excuse me they had they had two points until like 10 15 and then there was a there was an oop and it made it like four points for auburn at the 10 minute mark atrocious though nonetheless in that kentucky game and then against a&m they lost 68 to 66 and if it wasn't for a better second half they probably get beat worse than that that was not a good performance that day and you see how close those games were turnovers make all the difference and if auburn had been turning the ball over more in those ball games they probably lose to kentucky they probably lose to tennessee and then they probably lose by a lot worse to texas a&m the, the turnovers in that first game against a&m was probably at least in that first half was the reason for such a deficit that they had to come back from in the second all right yeah so you say just two pretty stats and i think i have a third one here for you hit me up i want to know i had to dig through the whole rebounds were pretty good excuse me rebounds were pretty good too yeah but i feel like auburn averages a lot of rebounds anyway all five starters scored in double figures against tennessee do you know that's happened three times this season that's what i was about to ask yeah that is a pretty stat yeah. It's pretty to look at when you look at the starting lineup. If you go so through, symmetrical, if you look at the box score and you just see that starting five and all of them are in double digits, it's just so aesthetically pleasing to but, look at. Yeah. I will do you one better, Sting. All right. Do y'all know how many bench points Auburn had in this ball game? Nah, no. Two. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That sounds they had about right. Two bench points, and it came from Dylan Cardwell, an efficient one for one there stretch. Aking Bola, 0 for 4, had no points. And then Chris Moore in 17 minutes had zero points as well, only took one shot across those 17 minutes. And that's where I go back to with quality depth. You don't beat Alabama on Tuesday night with two bench points. Of course, Auburn had no other options offensively really coming off the bench because when you talk about Javon Franklin, Chris Moore, Dylan Cardwell – and then Baba Tunde, you look at those four guys, do any of those strike fear in your heart from an offensive standpoint on a consistent basis? No. Not no. One not one single bit. No. So it further supports my notion that Auburn desperately needs some depth because I don't know if this performance gets it done on Tuesday against Alabama. Now, Alabama has the propensity to disappear offensively as well, just like Tennessee does. The problem is Alabama doesn't disappear as – it's not like – fully it's not just full offensive destruction like Tennessee has the potential to right once again I go back to Tennessee scored 50 against Ole Miss Alabama's not going to do that Tennessee scored 72 in this ball game and and honestly played better than Auburn I felt like in the run of play I mean everything outside of free throws I felt like from an offensive standpoint they were more efficient 41 percent to Auburn's 40 percent they made 39 percent of their free uh, of, of their threes Tennessee looked great now part of the reason why this game was closer uh, the the equalizer in this ball game from Auburn's free throws offsetting was offset by Tennessee's threes Tennessee hit let's see they well they only hit two more threes than Auburn so I mean the threes did offset the free throws though I mean and that's just the lineup that they're trotting out they didn't have a lot of guys who were just 
going to scare you from three-point range. I mean, you have guys out there who can shoot the ball. Auburn does, but just not not what you're expecting out of a Bruce Pearl offense. You just don't have that with the lineup that they were trotting out for this game. What else you got for us, Sting? All right, so I, Auburn actually has a really high rebound margin, surprisingly enough. I feel like I'm always getting kind of upset watching them try to rebound. They don't really... Well, when you miss as many shots as they do, sometimes you're going to get opportunities. Yeah, and too many times it seems like they just like slap the ball away instead of trying to reel it in. Anyway, Auburn Auburn out rebounds a lot of teams, and Alabama is not one of them. Actually, Alabama averages about one more rebound per game than Auburn, so I think that's going to be a really key area tomorrow as far as winning the game. Auburn's going to have to be able to out rebound Alabama. Let's take a trip to KenPom.com. Why don't we? And, uh, and go and see what um, is going on with Alabama right now in terms of pace of play. Adjusted tempo for Alabama, seventh in the country. Seven. Let's see where Auburn's at. Auburn's at 40 seconds. There's a big reason there why Alabama's out-rebounding some opponents. I feel like they play faster than everybody else. There's more opportunities. There's more possessions. There's more misses. On top of that, this Alabama team is, I believe, top three right now in defensive efficiency. They are. They are are third in defensive efficiency, according to KimPom.com. And that's a big difference there because there's going to be more misses, which is more stuff for their rebounders to clean up. But I'm not taking away, though, from what Alabama's got going on. They they have some good bigs who clean some glass, like Bruner, like Herb Jones. Those guys, I mean, the other – I think during the midweek, Herb Jones – and there are you know two or three of the last games. I don't remember, I don't remember which one, but I was looking at a box score. Herb Jones had two points, fourteen rebounds. So you know, That's Draymond Green wow. right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't so, care about points. Just give me rebounds and assists. Yeah, so I, I think that's a really big part. I mean, I think you were saying in the last segment that Auburn kind of ran a bit of a taller lineup. They were kind of forced to, I guess. So it's about time. Is that? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. But is that going to mean that? Auburn's able to stand up to some of Alabama's bigs or not uh, well I just wonder if this Auburn team's going to be able to run the floor with it because when you talk about minutes played right now of course Auburn had three guards play majority of this ball game Devin Cambridge had 33 minutes Alan Flanagan had 36 minutes Jamal Johnson had 31 minutes the next guard with the highest amount of minutes had two minutes Leo 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 Berman and Preston Cook each had two minutes apiece so they had four minutes combined, and those are walk-ons. So they had to cycle through those three players. You talk about as far as like actual substantial minutes being played. The front court played the majority of this ball game. Thor had thirty. Jamal or not Jamal? What am I saying? Jalen Williams twenty-seven minutes. Javon Franklin only had two, but Chris Moore had seventeen. Dylan Cardwell had twelve. Akimbola had eight minutes. I mean, the the front court played uh, played a long time, and, and there more times than not, there were bigger guys on the floor than guards because that's what all that's all Auburn had to go with and I don't think these guys can run the floor because just look at all the times that they get blown by at the three-point line so bigs just I mean that's just that's nature bigs don't run the floor as well as guards do and Auburn once again that's why they need Sharif Cooper because Sharif Cooper allows this Auburn offense and this Auburn team to operate at a higher pace than what they do without him so what are you putting in percentage-wise? How do you feel that Sharif is coming back? Do, or do you think he is? What, what, what's your percentage that you're thinking right now? I haven't given it much thought 
of course, on Max Roundtable before us. And I was listening to the show. It's a great addition to the ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama lineup. Pumped to have those guys out of Montgomery. I was listening to them earlier on, and they're they're from 11 to 2 every day. I was listening to them talk about this, and of course, they, they seem to be a little bit more confident that Sharif Cooper's going to play because Bruce Burrell's saying that he could play. Um, you know, and that he's not ruling out him missing. And it kind of felt like that leading up into the Alabama game. Like, you, we were all hearing rumors of Sharif Cooper possibly playing, especially like that evening. You start to see stuff trickling out on social media. You wake up in the morning and it's go time, right? In that Alabama game. And it kind of, you know, if Auburn's, if he's, if he's, if he is able, he will. I think he will play. The question is, is is he able? And there has not been a lot of information out about his injury. Like we don't know what what it is. We don't know the nature of it. Like we don't know how serious it was. So it's hard for me to make a percentage answer on that when I don't know the nature of what's going on. What do you think? I've got one indicator that is kind of hitting me on the head and saying I don't think he plays. Why is that? Alabama is plus eleven tomorrow. They're an eleven point favorite. I don't think that line is that high if Sharif Cooper plays. I think that's pretty that's pretty high. So you think there's some people I mean, out I, there? Not Alabama plus 11. Alabama's favored by 11. You think there's some people out there that have some information? Maybe. I mean, I just don't think that that line, I, that line just does not seem fair with Sharif Cooper there. I think it would probably sit around like 7 or 8. So I think you think 11's. Vegas thinks that he's not going to play? Yes. I agree with that. I think I don't I don't think they would set it that high. If they had, if they believed that he was going to play, well, he didn't practice yesterday, and that bodes well for someone not playing, typically. But I mean, Sharif Cooper is—he's that dude. So I mean, like, what does that matter? Sting, do you have thoughts on that? I don't know. That's it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't really think he's going to play either, just because they were saying it was an ankle injury, and those are hard to come back from quickly, and. And to be moving at full speed yeah. and to look comfortable and be sure of yourself. You're not wrong. You got any other stats for us? I have one more that's kind of like a discussion point here. I think I feel like Alabama isn't really playing its best basketball right now. Alabama fans feel the same way. Yeah, seven of Alabama's 14 SEC wins have come by at least 18 points. Don't y'all say it. Yeah. Don't, you, don't y'all say it. Only two of those were last month. Only two of those were in February. And I think after – I think they had a 33-point win. Yeah, the first Georgia. half of that stat, I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like they're dominating teams. I was like, I thought I thought they weren't playing good basketball right now. Yeah. And then you said, but only two have came in the last month. Right, yeah. The rest of those were in January, and they've had some rough games. You know, they lost to Missouri. They lost by a lot to Arkansas. I think they're like 5-3 and three in their last eight. Yeah, something like that. They just, they've just they beaten inferior teams by only three or four points. Like Vanderbilt, South yeah. Carolina. I'm with you. That Georgia game's the last time we saw them play well, but – We'll keep talking about this as the show goes on. When we come back, we got Auburn baseball conversations coming up. Stay with us on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's Radio Alabama Sports.net. You're listening to On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call. 334-321-1390. Once again, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. 
Levi Auburn baseball this past weekend, one and two at the Round Rock Classic. Underwhelmed. This is the disappointing news of the weekend for me. When I was on Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WA and I with Zach Blackerby, he asked me, What are you leading with today? And I said, Well, I don't know. It depends. Do I want to go with the good news or the bad news first? And there was a lot of good news this weekend in Auburn athletics, but baseball was the bad news I was referring to. Largely underwhelmed by Auburn baseball's performance this past weekend at the Round Rock Classic, going one and two losing to Oklahoma after blowing a lead on Friday. We were keeping up with that during our show. And then on Saturday, getting blitzkrieged by Baylor. And then on Sunday, Auburn and Texas A&M were close for several innings, but eventually Auburn pulled away after the first six and ended up winning that ballgame 6-1. to one. So huge win on Sunday because it would have been a horrendous weekend if Auburn went 0-3, especially when they were the one team going into the weekend with a winning record out of everybody else going into the Round Rock Classic. And that shows you how important one game is. That Friday game against Oklahoma, you don't blow that lead. Changes the whole tone for the weekend. Changes the entire tone. I think they go in playing a little bit better against this Baylor team. But all, and it changes your confidence for sure. And it changes the fans' confidence in you because you just came out. You took you TCB, took care of business in game one. And then you go through the weekend. You lose a close one in extra innings. Free baseball that we didn't have to pay for, by Maybe the way. you do get smacked by Baylor in Game 2 still. You go 2-1 yeah, and one across the two weekend and, one, yeah. and you felt good about yourself. That changes the entire perspective that everybody's looking yeah. at. Now you're looking at 1-2. and two, And we'll go back to this. We said this a few, week, uh, few weeks ago. We're not mad. Just disappointed. We're just disappointed. It, it's a disappointing look. And there were some bright spots. I mean, and by bright spots, I mean the one bright spot. On Sunday for That's me, good. I thought Trace That's Bright. Looked, I, th- I thought Trace Bright was the bright spot. Well, on Sunday we were leaving the studio thinking, "What's Auburn gonna?" Uh, or excuse me, on Friday we were leaving yeah. the studio thinking, "What's Auburn gonna do on Sunday?" I was like, because who, who Mason Barnett threw set like four innings or something like that on Friday. So you knew he wasn't, or you assumed that he wasn't going on Sunday for the starter, so they throw Trace Bright out there. I actually don't think he threw four innings. He threw less than that, but his pitch count got ran up a little bit towards it was, the late. It was, a, it was, what was it, two or three innings? I mean, he ran, he went through a lot of pitches, though, and that was the issue. One thing that stuck out to me as well, the Baylor game. You went into Friday, and if I'm not mistaken, Baylor had a seven-something ERA going into this game, and you think, okay, if Auburn hits six or seven runs, they should win that ball game. Yeah, Barnett threw 42 pitches on Friday. Yeah, way too much. Only 1.1 innings pitched, but 42 pitches. Okay, way too many pitches, though. Not, not, it's not necessarily the innings pitch. It was how many pitches he yep. threw on Friday. But yeah, to, to go back on that point, Baylor, you were talking about how they had a seven-something ERA going into this Round Rock Classic. So if you're telling me that Auburn hit six runs, you know, batted six runs in on this Baylor team, I would be thinking, oh, that's a W. That's easy. We hit them on their average. Nope. But I also told you that Baylor came in as yep. the hottest hitting team. Yep. You did say that as well. But I just I assumed that, you know. They were batting above 330 as a team coming into the Round Rock Classic. Only had played in three games, but they were batting above 330 as a team, and they kept that going. You just, I just, I think I, along with a lot of other people, assumed that Auburn would quiet those bats a little bit. I didn't expect them to give out give up twelve runs on Saturday. I don't. I know that Baylor came in hot, but I don't think there was anybody who expected them to allow Baylor for twelve runs on Saturday. It just did not. That was just not a thought that ever crossed anybody's mind. Seven to six game, eight to six game. Yeah, that seems more more in line with what Auburn does pitching wise. But twelve just did not seem like it was going to happen. 
Richard Fitz in that ball game against Baylor went 4.1 innings, gave up nine hits, seven runs, only had two strikeouts, did not go longer than he did in his debut performance as a starter this season in the opening weekend against Presbyterian. I know Auburn, or at least I, I've heard Auburn was trying to get these guys some longer time on the mound than maybe what they had in that first weekend. It didn't work out that way. Greenhill got hurt on Friday. I think he's going to be fine, but he got hurt on Friday. That made him have to get off the mound after four and a third in that ball game, or four and two thirds. And then Richard Fitz only goes four and a third, and he got he got shelled. There's no other way to write that. Nine hits, seven runs, but the the way that Richard Fitz responds to the Baylor game will tell us about his improvement in his trajectory as a pitcher this year. If this lingers against Xavier when he makes his start against the Musketeers well that that is going to you know that's not a good sign I would hate to see him get especially a guy that's been labeled as a first round draft pick I would hate to see him get mired in a slump here earlier in the year from here out it needs to be all upward trajectory as we go to SEC play because he's not going to face a lineup like he did against Baylor until SEC play Baylor's got some bats they came into the series one and two they left it much better than where they they started off considering they won in their Friday game and then they beat Auburn they were you know they, they were in a better place or excuse me they lost their Friday game but they beat Auburn after that Friday loss this Baylor team showed what they could do at the plate they're a big 12 team I hold respect for big 12 baseball for Pac-12 baseball for WCC baseball anything in the southern half of the United States I probably hold respect for your baseball and it's like the south it's like southern and west coast for baseball is usually pretty pretty solid it's the north it's the northern teams that you got to worry about let's be honest but Xavier comes here with a pretty good pedigree after having taken two out of three against A&M in their series on opening weekend Baylor finished the weekend overall at two and four and when you look at what they did in the round rock classic they lost 12 to 4 to A&M they beat Auburn 12 to 6 and they followed it up losing Oklahoma 9 to 3 and they gave up tons of runs to AM and 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 then they give up 12 to AM and they give up nine to Oklahoma. And it's just it's tough for me. The 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 point that Auburn lost this weekend, the point where Auburn, if you're viewing this as a three-game series this weekend, where Auburn lost it this weekend, was where the fourth inning started of the Oklahoma game. And from that moment on, beginning in the fourth inning of the Oklahoma game on Friday, they didn't score a run for 10 straight innings. That's where you lost it. You can't do that. Into the next, it went into the next game. If you're going over a three game, if you're consi- if you're looking at this as a three game series, where you're just a, a straight up three game weekend series, and you go ten straight innings without scoring, there's no wonder you went. You're going to lose. You're going to lose two games. You're going like to drop that. two games. There's no. There's. It's not surprising. Or you got shut out in one game. Yeah, you either got shut out in one game. You definitely lost a game, though. I would say you lost a game no matter what. If you go ten innings without scoring a run, and it wasn't you just ten innings, it was ten straight. Yeah, ten consecutive, innings. ten consecutive innings. And you know what? That think about that from a mental perspective. That hurts me. Well, think of it from a mental perspective. You know, those guys are going. I know in there it hurts me, and that they're hurts going me from a mental perspective. Those guys are going <laughs> out there the whole time, are thinking, "Man, this time I'm hitting. This time, this time I'm getting a hit." No. It's just um, this time. This time we're going to score. This time. This time. No. It just doesn't happen. I mean, that's just how it is. It's unfortunate. I feel very reserved now about, like, my expectations were high going into this weekend. I had a lot of faith. The bats looked like they were going against inferior competition, yes. But 
They looked like they were still alive. We weren't dropping midweek games like we were last year. I felt confident about Auburn baseball coming in and at least going two and one bare minimum. There's a big difference between two and one and one and two, and you can tell that's just how our energy has shifted from this team. All right, well, let's talk about the good things that happened this weekend, though. To give uh, the bright spot, yes, the bright spot. Trace Bright, six innings pitched, three hits, one strikeout over the, and that was a that was across the whole week. Uh, he went two and zero, oh, or excuse me, that's not across the whole week. That was the that was his Sunday line against A and M. But across the whole week, he was two and zero oh with a .9 ERA. I wonder if they're going to move Trace Bright into a Sunday role. If this is something that he's earning, it could be. It, it could be early. Look, he started against Alabama A and M in the midweek. That doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But his performance on Sunday against A and M, an SEC opponent, that that's a gem. And I want and that that tells me that he might be ready to move into a Sunday role where Auburn, you know, now that that's big because that you can move Mason Barnett back to the bullpen and you can put him back into a closer role and he can give you some solid relief innings. So that that can help Auburn out a lot. Trace Bright, huge bright spot for Auburn on Sunday. Tyler Miller over at first base, kind of cycles in and out between the infield and the outfield. Across the whole week, 579 as a hitter. He was 11 for 19, had eight runs, one double, one triple, two home runs, and 10 RBI. Where did this guy come from? He had a huge week. It's like, it's like these across these first two weeks of the baseball season, somebody new who just has this astronomical weekend. First weekend was like Josh Hall. This week, Tyler Miller. So good for Auburn to find another bat that can do that. But once again, too little, too late for Auburn this weekend because they go one and two. And I think they're disappointed. I think Auburn is disappointed as a team that they didn't perform better than this because they could have left the weekend two and one. I agree. I mean, it was you said it best, too little, too late. I want to ask you, um, was there any news that was – that was released about Cody Greenhill and his, you know, injury from Friday that happened. His Nothing that I've seen at the moment. But. I was trying to comb through over here, trying to look at that. Maybe the bright, you know, maybe some good news would be Cody Greenhill being healthier than uh, not having to, you know, if he has to miss a game. The only positive that you could find from that is maybe you could at least slot Trace Bright into the lineup at this point, but. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll I, be I fine. Say it looked sure, but it, it, did, it, it didn't look too. I mean, it didn't look too. It was could, just like could have just been precautionary. Yeah, and that's what I was I was worried about that kind of going into the weekend as well. So I'm hoping he's okay. I haven't seen anything about it. And I was wondering if maybe it was just something I overlooked when going through the weekend because like you said, huge weekend for Auburn Athletics. It would have been easy for something to whiz right by us and us not see it. Auburn going one and two in the Round Rock Classic. They uh took a took one on the chin to Baylor in the in the second game, lost that one twelve to six disappointing loss on friday in game one when they blew the lead to oklahoma and then on sunday though they bounce back against a&m we'll see how they bounce back this week they got a five game week we'll keep talking auburn baseball on the other side of this break on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We're wrapping up our number one here of the show. And before we do, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the Women Tell All episode of The Bachelor Tonight at 7 on ABC. If you've been keeping up with this season, the women have been pretty nasty to each other, so buckle up as they rehash some old rivalries. At the same time, at 7 on NBC, The Voice kicks off its new season with the blind auditions. A look at some college basketball games happening tonight on TV. Starting the ACC at 5 p.m. on ACC Network with Miami at number 15, Virginia. North Carolina will head to New York to play Syracuse at 6 on ESPN. At the 8 p.m. time slot, it's Bedlam, but basketball. Number 7, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State on ESPN. On ESPN 2, catch Arizona and Oregon. The NBA has a pair of games on NBA TV. At 7, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans will host the Jazz. At 9.30, LaMelo Ball and the Hornets will duke it out with Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers to wrap up the night. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up hour number one here of On The Line. Be sure to follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On The Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We have not done this segment in a couple of weeks now. Well, me and Steen, me and Steen did it last week when you were out. Oh, you did on Wednesday? Yeah, we snuck it in on you. You weren't here. You, we had no rules. Nobody was over here governing us. We were just doing whatever. We were swinging from the ceilings in here. Man, it was wild. Oh, well, I need to go back and I need to go back and check that. I need to know who was y'all's candidate. That, that's interesting. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. We take a look at the butt-fumbling, head-scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the Wheel of Misfortune. This is all in good fun and jest, right? Levi, who are, you, who are you nominating today? Let's spin the wheel. Who had a rough week or weekend for you going into this Monday? So I changed my mind. I know I was talking over the break. And oh, I said this I was, is a curveball. I said I was going to go Duke, but I, they're still fine. They're going to win in the tournament. They're going to be just fine when they go through the ACC. I don't know the if AC. they're going to make the tournament. No, I'm talking my about friend. the ACC tournament. They're going to oh, okay. be fine. They're going to make it. My biggest loser, the joke of an NFL franchise, the Seattle Seahawks, fumbling the bag with Russell Wilson. They're going to let him go to New Orleans. Let us just let me just tell you that. Russell Wilson, he's going to be a saint when it's all said and done, and the Seahawks are going to end up with nobody. You cannot let a guy like Russell Wilson get out of there. You got to appease him. What have they been doing? What have they been doing not appeasing him? He's going to go be in the, he's going to be the Saints next quarterback. He's going to be the future. Mark it down right now. I'm calling it. You cannot let Russell Wilson go. So how did that put the Seahawks on the wheel of misfortune? He's not gone yet because they're going to lose him. How do you know this? Cuz it's going to happen. Just gut feeling. Yeah, you, just, you oh, saw yeah. a headline and you're like just smelling it. Just smelling it. He's out of there. But they are on there because they've treated him poorly, at least in, in his, you know, his idea. He's called out management. He's made headlines saying that they got to put something around him. And if you got Russell Wilson and you're not appeasing him, you got to do it. You're losing. You're losing right now. If you're losing Russell Wilson's, what's the word I'm looking for? You're losing his ability. Trust. You're lo- yeah. If you're, he, you put mistrust in him. And that's how you end up on the wheel of misfortune if you lose a guy like Russell Wilson's trust in your ability. I just think it's interesting timing for you to put the Seahawks now on the wheel of misfortune rather than a couple of weeks ago when all of this stuff really started coming out. Because I don't, the latest I, article on ESPN about this is quarterback Russell Wilson hasn't demanded trade from he Seattle Seahawks. He hasn't demanded trade. Says. He hasn't demanded a trade, but you haven't been following 
Twitter. You have not. Your other been, option was better. You have not. Uh, you have not <laughs> been looking at the Twitter. You have not been seeing the energy that is ramping up about getting Russ out of there. People tweeting at him every day, telling him to come on. Imagine that man. I think you're doing this to stick it to your brother, who is no, a Seahawks fan. Not one bit. I think that they are the bigger loser because I still think that Duke <laughs> can make the tournament just fine. I think Duke can make the tournament absolutely just fine. But I really think that the Seattle Seahawks are the biggest losers right now. They can win this still. But they haven't lost anything yet. I'm just having a they've hard lost time getting tr- They've lost his trust. That's okay. big. Look what happened with Deshaun Watson with the Texans where they lost his trust. Now he wants out of there. Oh, man. Speaking of the Texans. Oh, this hurts. They released running back Duke Johnson. Sting, did you see that? They also lost J.J. Watt. Yeah, I did. But I, just I have a Duke shrugged. Johnson jersey. You better watch yourself. What, for, for the Texans or for my... Oh, yeah, that's right. He did play for the Browns for a little bit. I forgot. And he was one of our leading receivers. <laughs> oh. Yeah, wow. those were bad days. Mm. We went 1-31 and 31 during that stretch. It hey, but it's happen. all better now. Playoffs. You got yes. Baker. Baker, he's, you know, he's got it. Baker's got it. All right. It's time to spin the wheel for myself here. Well, I want to put Duke in there now just to mess with you, but I'm going to say Tennessee because Bruce Pearl, and I see so many people Duke's saying this, so I cannot take responsibility for saying this, but Bruce Pearl owns Tennessee, man. His former school, he said, I'm going to get you guys. I may lose to Ole Miss once or twice every year. I may I may go one and six over my last seven games, but I will beat you. And... It is going to be one of the most important games of my season every year. And he has made it so. And at this point, with six straight, it's just picking on these guys. I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens when you let this a guy is a like... a rivalry now. It is. It, it's a flat-out rivalry. I mean, think about this. Auburn basketball has some good rivalries at this point. I mean, there's, one, there's a big one with... Obviously, Alabama's always going to be a rival. But Tennessee and Kentucky have become basketball rivals for Auburn I mean that's, that's just Auburn's how trio of rivals I would add to that because of their struggles I would add Ole Miss to that group I agree with that because Georgia they, because should be in there as well just because of the football connection but I personally feel it doesn't like feel, it doesn't feel the same with Georgia right I personally feel like Auburn Ole Miss is a tighter and, and of course if you go back and you look at overall like all-time records Georgia Auburn hotly contested right now it's still a rivalry but I would also add Ole Miss to the group I won't compare Ole Miss to Georgia as far as rivals but I would say that's Auburn's group of rivals right there in basketball yeah I mean I agree with that with the Ole Miss because and it feels like Auburn's been the most successful against Tennessee they've also been successful against Kentucky would have been awesome to say that they swept them this year but that did not occur but still they've been the most successful against Tennessee over the last couple years than they have against any of their other quote rivals so Tennessee is my will of misfortune. They're ranked in the they were ranked in the top twenty five. They won't be after what happened. This team has the propensity to just disappear offensively. I wouldn't say that they completely disappeared offensively against Auburn. They only shot forty one percent from the floor, which isn't great. Still found a way to score seventy two. What did we set this line at for Auburn uh, in playing the line? I think we said if Auburn scores, does Auburn score more than sixty eight? Uh, I said they 70, wouldn't. I think oh, okay seventy. Well, I, I said they wouldn't, and they did. I said they were going to score 69. They scored more than that. Uh, they did. They did. They uh, they got up to 77 points there for Auburn on oh. Saturday. Oh, I forgot about this. With J.J. Watt signing, another reason the Seahawks lost 
I mean, think about See, that. I think the Texans are losers right Chan- now. We got a Texans fan in the studio. Imagine and he's thinking having, about changing his citizenship. Imagine having to go against <laughs> Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, and Aaron Donald twice a year, or you know, twice for each of them every year. That's a lot. J.J. Watt hasn't been the same. You kind of wonder if if a new location jump starts his career, but if not, you might begin. You might be beginning to think that if he's washed. So that does it for hour number one of On the Line. Stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll be back with hour number two in just a moment. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's having a good Monday afternoon. We thank you for joining us. Phone lines are open. Call in at 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. What's going on on your mind in the sports universe? Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk basketball, baseball, football, anything you want to talk about in the sports world. Hop on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390. I'm not talking soccer. Don't you bring that weak stuff in here. I love soccer. No, that talk to you. I'll walk out right now. Anybody want to talk soccer? Call in. Well, there goes the headset. At Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. On Twitter, let's start off hour number two, somewhere to how we started off hour number one. There, there is a smorgasbord of Auburn news to talk about this weekend and as it is when you're going into the first weekend of March because there's basketball there's baseball there's softball there's NFL free agency there's all kinds of stuff going on right now we'll start it off Auburn basketball pulling off the unthinkable in this studio because none of us gave them a shot going into that Tennessee game on Saturday and oh boy we largely underestimated Tennessee's ineptitude against the Auburn Tigers Auburn defeating Tennessee 77 to 72 huge W for the Tigers to get another top 25 win this season I mean it's big it's big for them it's big for not just this season but the reputation Auburn has had against Tennessee I mean we're talking fear the thumb now because that's six straight that is six straight over Tennessee now and Auburn has really Auburn and Bruce Pearl they flex their muscles against Tennessee yet again and shown that they can dominate this series against Tennessee. I didn't. I didn't think they had a shot. If Sharif Cooper didn't play, I didn't think they were going to be able to even come. Like I did not think that they were going to win the game. I thought it would be close. I said on Friday that I thought they would keep it close just because of the history against Tennessee. I think they would come out and play a little bit harder. I was not expecting this result, and it comes from what we've been telling them: play inside, get to the free throw line. They didn't shoot great from the free throw line. But at least they got there. That's a, that's a step in the right direction for me with this team. I'm on ESPN's website right now, and there's a thumbnail of the video of Alan Flanagan's dunk that got waved off because of the shot clock. And if only both of you guys could look right now 
at the way that Alan Flanagan is looking at that rim. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but Alan Flanagan looked like he wanted to destroy the rim with everything in him. You lock eyes with that man right there and how he's looking at dunking. I don't know. Get out the way. Get out the way. It would have been punishment. It, it's like dropping thor's hammer on somebody and it's not jt thor which has been a which has been an overused term when jt thor dunks i knew it was going to happen but hoping folks get a little bit more original as we go but i just side note there looking at this thumbnail this is wild like he 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 looks like he wants to bring the whole place down that he's a wrecking ball with that basketball in his hands which was an exciting play hate to have seen it gotten waved off i'm shaking I'm scared. <laughs> Ma- Mama. Have you, do you see it? Do you see the thumbnail? Mama, come get me. I'm scared. No, no, no. Nothing could save Woo. you from Alan Flanagan's dunk against Tennessee That's this past inten- weekend. That is intensity. There is, that is just straight fear-inducing stare. My goodness. That, His that, hair's like standing up, too. Like that it's rim just like has a family. Out. That rim has a family. Be nice to it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Auburn basketball, though, pulling off the unthinkable. How did they do it? They got to the free throw line. They went inside. And they got a little bit of production outside of the point guard position. That's pretty much what it boils down to, in my opinion. Uh, they they played a little bit better and got better shots. And then Jamal Johnson playing the point guard played a lot better than you would expect Alan Flanagan had been playing from the point guard because, let's be honest, Flanagan has been a disappointment at the point guard position because that's not where he needs to be playing so i want to bring up now what took it so long to get to this point that's yeah i'm I'm curious as to why this didn't happen sooner who's been holding out on us maybe they just didn't know maybe they didn't realize maybe they just did not you know think that you'd this go was... to the combo guard first though right i agree with that i mean i agree if you knew this and you i assume that they've had to have seen this kid at practice every day even when they're not he's been on campus for three years you think they would have gone to him quicker than this right someone who plays who played basketball at the end of practices before practices what what have you you will straight up have opportunities where y'all are just you and your team they're just playing in the gym they're just scrimmaging somebody's had to have seen this guy take a point guard role at some point even in just like pick up basketball games amongst the team i don't understand how it took this long to figure it out, especially like you said, you think you'd go to the combo guard first. Maybe he, he hasn't, played well. Maybe he hasn't shown it. Maybe nobody knew that this was a thing, and maybe one day Bruce Pearl was just like, "Hey, come on, let's let's see what you got at this level." But I'm, Johnson finished the day with 14 points, three assists, only one turnover. When you're talking about Auburn's, that's that's the one that's good for me. I, I can live with the three assists, and it's not great. The one turnover. See a lot of point guards in this day and age yeah. in college basketball only averaging about three assists. The one turnover is the one We've I like. We've been spoiled by Sharif yep. Cooper averaging seven or eight. That exactly. doesn't happen across college basketball. I'm just happy with the one turnover is all I like. I see the one turnover with a team that has been so bad, so bad at turning the ball over, especially from the point guard position when Sharif Cooper is not in the lineup. That makes me happy to see we got a caller on the line with us now. We're going to head to the phone lines once again. The number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. Shane is on the line with us. Shane, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all? We're doing good. Hey, I had a couple of baseball uh, questions. When we played Texas A&M this past weekend, does that count towards or against our uh, SEC record, or is it just separate? It's an it's like a non conference game. I say, yeah, it doesn't count. 
but that doesn't count. Okay. Um, and uh, my other thing is, do, do you guys, is, is this uh, something that we should be worried about? Because we've been pretty dominant over, you know, inferior opponents, but uh, the first, you know, quote, real competition, and uh, we lose two out of three. Yeah, it was something that I was worried about more going into the week before the Alabama A&M game, and I think I kind of fell into the same trap that everybody else did because I I think, man, they scored 51 runs. I don't care who you did that against. Maybe they're developing some type of confidence. And then I coupled that with the fact that they went into this weekend as the only team with a winning record that they would be facing this weekend. Like, there were four teams going to the Round Rock Classic. Auburn was the only team with a winning record. And they leave with two losses. And I was thinking, man, they've got a real shot here to make a lot of noise because all three of those other teams played the same level of competition that Auburn did, and they all struggled. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Shane. I'm disappointed. I think it is something for – I think it is cause for concern. I'll be real. I've been calling out Auburn hitting for years now, and it doesn't look like it's gotten any better and this is a senior-laden lineup. This lineup, three-quarters of it was at Omaha. So I have a, I'm having a hard time right now with the fact that it's, yeah. it is it is still early in the year. They can still work it out, but I, I am reserved. And and uh, the competition gets vastly harder uh, when, the, when, the, when the SEC schedule starts. I mean, vastly different than Baylor and, and Oklahoma. Talking about Arkansas and Vanderbilt and Ole Miss even, South Carolina, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know if we play all those teams, uh, but uh, you, you're not going to find an SEC team that's not uh, not good. Yeah, Auburn opens SEC play with Ole Miss, actually, and they're, you know, number one in some polls, and then they do get a bit of a reprieve after that. They'll get, they'll get Kentucky, but then they've got Arkansas after that, so I mean, like, there's very few. Yeah, and Arkansas, there's very few and Arkansas is number one on some polls as yeah. well. I'm just I'm just a little worried about you know what's the real Auburn team right now and, and when we will be when will be when will we be able to figure out which you know what team is the real Auburn team this year because I, I see a lot of potential both in pitching and hitting and you know to be fair the the reason why we lost the games where it was on the defensive side wasn't it pitching and uh, I mean. You score twelve runs, and that's 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 not only on the hitting; that's really on the defensive side. So I don't know. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, when when do we open up the SEC play? SEC play opens up on March nineteenth, so you got nineteen days, and you got a nice you got a nice chunk of games. Let's see, you got a midweek here against Jacksonville State. You got four more against Xavier over the weekend, which you're talking about competition getting tougher. I think this actually might end up being Auburn's toughest non-conference slate now outside of the Round Rock Classic in, in an actual series because Xavier took two out of three against A&M on opening weekend. And then after that, you got UAB, so there's six games. You got Little Rock for a three-game series, so you're at nine, and then you got Lipscomb. So you got ten games to try and get things right before you play Ole Miss. Do you, do you, guys, do you have any faith that that will happen before SEC comes? I think, I think, and I said this going into the season, I said Auburn should expect to have no more than four losses going into SEC play, and I'm still holding them to that, and they've got two losses right now. I think Auburn, if, you feel com- if you're going to feel confident about Auburn going into SEC play against Ole Miss, they, they better handle all of their business going over these next 10 games because you, you ought to go 3-1 and one against Xavier. Obviously, I'd love to see the sweep, but it's hard to do that in a four-game series in baseball. Take three out of four, win your midweek games, 
and then uh, I, I'm, I'm leaving room for a midweek loss or one loss to Little Rock, something like that. But you know, I don't, I don't see reason for Auburn to lose more than two games over their next ten games. All right, guys. Well, uh, appreciate the show. I love it. Talk to y'all later. Worry. Appreciate it, Shane. Thanks for calling in, and uh, don't be a stranger, my man. Appreciate it. Back-to-back daily calls from Shane. I think he called on Friday and uh, calls here on Monday. Appreciate it, my man. And uh, phone lines are open for everybody, 334-321-1390. You can call in. And I want to go back to something that Shane said um, about defense. Yes, defense was a major concern on Saturday, you know, giving up 12 runs. Of course, with as excited as people were about Richard Fitz, you know, I, I talked about this pitching staff is that we would be learning something new about them every start that they make because they've never been in this role before. And everybody was super high up on Richard Fitz going into this year. And I'm like, hey, now, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit because we haven't seen him in this role. Not to say that he won't improve as the year goes on and, and could very well come into his own. I mean, that was that Baylor was hitting above 330 going into this series. Baylor's got some bats now. And so I, I'm not going to you know i'm not going to write richard fitz off or anything but there's definitely room for improvement there because he got he got shelled in that ball game but the other point that i want to make is though and i don't know if shane heard this earlier in the show but i think a lot of it was hitting too because auburn went 10 straight innings without a run across the weekend starting on friday in the fourth inning against oklahoma which this is a big reason why you blew the game against oklahoma because you could not get another run after being up 3-0 in the third after bouncing their after bouncing Oklahoma starting pitcher their bullpen shut them down Auburn got like two hits yeah couldn't do anything after that. Auburn got two hits two or three hits no more than three after that you know from the fourth inning on and then that trickled into Saturday against Baylor to where you started the game off slowly and you really didn't get your bats going until late they had a couple one-run frames in the middle of that ball game but it was late when they started accumulating some two-run frames but Auburn in this weekend had a had 10 straight innings in a row. They had a 10-inning period where they didn't score a run. That's enough to lose you two baseball games depending on the, you know, depending on when that 10-run stretch went because or 10-inning stretch went because if if all of that happens in one ball game, fine, you got shut out, right? But if all if it you know that over two games, two games, you lost unless you had a huge inning somewhere in between in both of ha- those and games. And look what happened but, over those two games. You lost both of them. Right. That's going to happen every time. That's so, just how it is. I, I am putting it a lot on the plate, and, and some numbers look really they look really good on Auburn's box score right now, but part of that's because of the midweek against I'm, Alabama A&M, and I'm, I'm this, cautious about this team at the moment. Not, not trying to dog them or anything. I'm, I hope this team turns it around because Auburn baseball is one of the most fun things for me to keep up with and watch. I really enjoy you know being at the ballpark this is a hard season you know because you know not you being able to be yeah, at the ballpark really traditionally not being able to tailgate around the facility you can't either. even go that's on the parking tough. deck you can't right. even go watch from the parking deck that's tough so you know obviously you still get you can still get to the ball games in other ways you know if there are tickets available or whatnot and you can watch it on SEC network plus and everything in the few nationally televised ball games but this Auburn team can still turn around but it, it's got to start now and there's a 10 game stretch in front of them I, I you know I don't think they should have more than four losses going into that Ole Miss series, but you'd like to see them really look dominant over these next ten. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. 
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you to Shane calling in that last segment. Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. I'm loving the baseball questions. Bring it. We got it. We're talking about baseball. You don't get, you can't find it anywhere else. It's hard to find baseball coverage anywhere. I mean, you got to – At least for college baseball. For co- of course. And if you, you know – like Auburn, you like Auburn baseball. You got to follow Jason Caldwell on Twitter to get all the the great yeah. baseball information if you want to find it. Hopefully, we can bring some to the table as well. Hopefully, we can. We're not beat writers. We're not going to be reporting anything, but we will sit here and talk about it with you. You, you got questions? We're going to react. We're going to react. We're going to we're going to over. When we lose, we're going to be upset. When we win, we're going to say we're the best team. Probably not say that. I was we'll. so bummed on Saturday. The Saturday and Auburn beat me. Tennessee in basketball, and I'm and over you're here still like. Bummed. Oh my goodness gracious! Twelve to six. What is going on with this baseball team? Are they are they bad? Was what I began to ask myself because they don't have a signature win to hang their hat on right now until they beat A and M, which I think is a good win. I don't know if I call it a signature win, but it's an RPI boosting but win. But at sat, but at that point Saturday, you're sitting there thinking, what like what's the fe- like what what's the future? Because you're going in that A and M game, you're not even confident you're going to win that. I didn't one even at that know point. who was going to start. Yeah, I, I mean, because like, Bar- uh, Barnett pitched so much Friday, you're thinking, I don't, who are they going to try it out there? And Trace Bright oh, cleaned bro. up the weekend, my man. Jim he gave, brought in the sunny weather. He gave us they something to bright. be. Ha- he gave us something to be happy about. He did this this Xavier series this weekend. Man, it's huge. He might end up starting in the Xavier series because it's a be four surprised. game series. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. This is a big series. Across last week, he went two and zero with a .9 ERA, and that wasn't against slouch teams. One of it was, but yeah, the other one, one was against an SEC opponent. So Trace Bright, killer weekend. Six innings pitched against A and M. That is, well, Texas A and M. That is because yeah. they play two in A and M teams. Maybe he just likes playing A and M teams. Who knows? Six innings pitched, three hits, one strikeout. He did not. Um, he, he he did not give up uh i don't i don't believe he gave he did not give up a run against a and m i think he gave up just the one against alabama a and m that is so two and oh point nine era across the week for trace bright another pitcher had a solid week peyton clavin son of you know atlanta Bright, uh atlanta atlanta uh, where, where have we where have we heard that last name before i know hmm. right atlanta braves legend uh so son of tom glavin uh zero era for glavin over the weekend five innings pitch two hits three strikeouts that was a that was his whole week stat uh week stat line there and so solid two 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 guys that are not your common common guys a part of the pitching staff they emerged this past week with some with some solid outings two appearances both for trace bright and peyton glavin at the plate tyler miller had a huge week we talked about josh hall a lot coming out of week one going into week two tyler miller goes 11 for 19 for a 579 batting average eight runs one two bagger one triple two home runs 10 rbi 10 rbi this guy was responsible for 10 runs batted in uh 10 runs batted in this whole last week that's a lot that's like a fifth of the 50 runs that they scored against alabama a&m good gracious <laughs> if that, you're that if football, you are on football the base, game we had in the midweek if you are on the base paths Tyler Miller is the guy that you wanted at the plate this week because he's going to get you home. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I mean, I just that. I just imagine Tyler Miller coming up to the plate and saying, "Get to the chopper." He's he's bringing you home, man. I mean, it, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger like plate appearances for Tyler Miller, and uh, Auburn wrapped up the weekend strong, of course, with that victory over Texas A and M. 
winning six to one tough first two days there but they but they made it happen in the texas a&m game but the bright news on saturday for auburn basketball taking down tennessee doing the unthinkable like we were talking about in our first segment of this second hour something that i would ask you here now auburn is 12 and 13 they're 6 and 10 in the sec they've got two games left this week before the season's over and we're on to next year we can finally put this year behind us forget about it move on we're going to next season don't 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 do us dirty ncaa moving into next season but there's two games left right here it's still an opportunity for auburn to finish with a winning record was this auburn's last great trick if auburn beats alabama i think they beat mississippi state and finish with a winning record was that was that game against tennessee they're two and two against ranked teams believe it or not was that auburn's last great trick that they had to pull this year was that everything that was left in the tank do they have anything left i still think they beat mississippi state for the record on saturday yeah i think they beat mississippi state but i think they can it's 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 gonna be so hard i don't want to go on and say yeah they let me rephrase this then instead of kind of asking for a pick then because i know that may conjure up feelings of a pick does auburn have anything left in the tank i think they have plenty left in the tank i think i think okay i think this team is still that they still have something to prove i think that we saw a lot on saturday which again you said it undefeated and outlived games bruce pearl six straight against tennessee you had a lot of energy going into this game and we equated this to that Baylor game where they gave a lot. They were going in, hanging with the number two, not just the number two team in the country, the clear number two team. They were the clear, they were the cream of the crop. They are clearly above everybody at that point, and Auburn was hanging with them. Then they get just absolutely blindsided in that third quarter on that run. Come off the next game. Third quarter? Yeah, yeah, third, yeah the second half, sorry. I, I think about it would it, have been the third quarter. You are I, th- I think about it in NBA terms where you had those Warrior teams that would just go on those third quarter quarter runs and you see that a lot from basketball when it's played by quarters but yeah that second half run early in the second half that Baylor went on Auburn didn't recover they go out and they lose to Georgia a team that they handled in Athens so all I can think about is are they going to have the same are they going to have that same energy output against Tuesday when they play Alabama and I don't think they will I think they'll come out and play with energy that they played Saturday because you just wonder if it can match Alabama. Of course, Alabama's on a quick turnaround as well. I, I'm, I'm more Both worried. Both teams are playing from Saturday to Tuesday, so Alabama's playing with the same parameters. Yeah, I think that they're both going to be a little gassed in terms of just fit, like physical fatigue, probably, just from the quick turnaround like that. I don't think the mental aspect, I think these two teams are going to get up. Auburn, who has been playing very well throughout the past you know, few years, the Bruce Pearl tender winning SEC championships and whatnot. Now Alabama just notched one. You think Auburn's going to be a little upset that the who they have viewed as their little brother in basketball the past few years, I don't want to say of all time, I'm saying the past few years, they viewed themselves as more dominant than Alabama. And now you see them coming out with a reg- SEC regular season title you're going in there's Alabama sitting on that two line they still have a chance to get to a one if things go out on the flip side Alabama's been playing not well on the offensive end I mean they scored 66 against Arkansas don't don't say it don't you say it what don't you say it don't don't say what they live by and don't say oh yeah you saw that by Nate Oates yeah I was actually going to bring that up today and then they only scored 64 against Mississippi State and Nate Oates uh was it today that he said it or was it yesterday I I think it was I think it was today that he said it so Nate Oates saying you know you know don't say it somebody mentioned to him that care about you anybody that says that alabama lives and dies by the three they don't know what they're talking about is what he said it's like well let's just wrap it up me and you don't know what we're talking about that was a great segment of online we'll see you guys next time but 
the truth is, when Alabama's not playing well offensively, they're in trouble. That's true. That's I mean, when that's, they can lose. They're very similar to Tennessee in that aspect. They, they just don't hit the lows that Tennessee does on the offensive end. They only beat Mississippi State by five. They lost to Arkansas by 15, only beat Vanderbilt by four, only beat South Carolina by three. And then, of course, they destroyed Georgia 115-82. That's their last five games right there. Not in chronological order, but that was their last five games there. My thing is, Alabama's due. Alabama is due for the offense to turn on. It's been three subpar games for them in a row. And who better? Who Only better beat Vanderbilt by four, lost to Arkansas by 15, and then just beat Mississippi State by five. That was in chronological order since they beat Georgia four games ago. They're due. And maybe they have another off day because they just clinched the title, regular season title. Maybe think, Auburn can catch them a little bit. Yeah. There's just so many factors, and you don't know what you're going to get in this one. Does Alabama come in firing on all cylinders? Because they haven't been looking great. They just won the SEC title. There's some way. There's some reasons for them to possibly come into the game complacent. But you already just pointed out that they still have stuff to play for in terms of NCAA tournament seeding. Look, Missouri, I have seen in a bracketology recently today, Fox Sports bracketology, had them down as far as a seventh seed. People are finally catching know, on. Right? They're finally catching on to Missouri. Tennessee's down as well. I think they're down to a five seed. And then Duke's still sitting on that first four. Alabama's out, in the middle of those two seeds. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Alabama slips to a three if they lose to Auburn and then lose early in the SEC tournament. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility for them to be a three. It's also not out, out of the realm of possibility for them to be a one. They they truly control their own destiny, at least in my opinion. I think they could climb to that one line with a really strong showing over the past, you know, next game plus SEC tournament play. And Tennessee's you're, a six, excuse me. And you're going to need a couple of, uh, you know, Big Ten teams to kind of cannibalize themselves earlier, some Big 12 teams, you know, some teams around them to sort of cannibalize each other and knock each other out. You're going to need some guys lower in the Big Ten, your Northwesterns, your Minnesotas, teams like that to really hit Ohio State and knock them down, knock Illinois down a peg as well. So Fox Sports, Fox College Hoops is bracketology with Mike DeSorcy. Three-lined right now, Iowa, Villanova, Arkansas, and Kansas. Arkansas trending massively upwards. They dominated LSU over the weekend. Kansas trending upward, but I don't think that they could do enough to get to the two-line. Villanova just lost to Butler. I don't think it can happen for them. And Iowa has been playing good basketball as well. They're back on the uptick big, also. Big win against Ohio State this week. Destroyed them. And there's a big reason why Ohio State's back down onto the two-line, and I think they're pretty safe there on the two-line. West Virginia, a two. Houston, a two. And Alabama, a two. Alabama's caught up in that middle pack. If things go sideways here in the SEC play late, I could see maybe one of those three seeds, Iowa or Arkansas, slipping up, uh, you know, climbing up to that two-line with the way that Arkansas is scaling the poles right now because they just beat Alabama by 15. Arkansas is playing the best basketball in the SEC at the moment. This Alabama team, there, there's some there's some contrasting variables. Does this Alabama team, because of the NCAA tournament bracketology, show up, law of averages, they're due to, to catch fire? Does that happen? Or are they complacent because of energy and possibly the fact that they just won the SEC title, regular season title? So Auburn needs all of those to happen. <laughs> Auburn needs all of those to happen to get a really good shot at beating this Alabama team. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. You're listening on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
Mac on on the line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. We got 30 minutes left in today's show here on On the Line. The drive with Bill Cameron will be following us as he does every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. Bill and Dan will take your calls, diving into all the latest and hottest stories in Auburn athletics, like this one right here. Auburn baseball starting pitcher from this past Sunday and during the midweek, Trace Bright named SEC Pitcher of the Week for Auburn. Man, I could use the sunny weather, but I'll tell you, as hot as it was yesterday, he brought out the sun yesterday here on the Plains, and he wasn't even pitching over here. It was several states away, and he brings out the sunny weather. The bright spot. That's right, the gym. Light bright. (laughs) SEC Pitcher of the Week, Trace Bright for Auburn. I mean, we were saying saying that was the, the biggest bright spot that Auburn had over the weekend i mean he was what you when you looked at the weekend overall and you were trying to take away something good to happen you looked at his pitch performance on sunday turns out it wasn't just wasn't just kept to auburn that's that spans through the whole sec so i'm glad i mean i'm glad that he got acknowledged because he had some great he had some great performances throughout the week if it's not for him Auburn oh, doesn't no. win a game this weekend. And we are as disappointed as we are that they went one and two. I would have came in here even more. I would have just been like, oh my goodness. No gracious. show. No show. We'd have just been like, no, we're not talking baseball today, guys. Bye. So like, what happened this weekend? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Auburn beat Tennessee. <laughs> what do you mean what happened this weekend? We play baseball? Well, we <laughs> just well played well. basketball. That's all we did. Trace Brightwit is now two and oh, but thanks to this past week, he he had a point nine ERA. 2-0 record across the week. Six innings pitched, three hits, one strikeout, no runs allowed against Texas A&M on Sunday. Only had two walks. Of course, you'd love to see those strikeout numbers go up a little bit right now, pitching to some contact at the moment. But Trace Bright, he's the reason why Auburn even won a game this weekend because Auburn didn't score a run until the fourth against A&M. They only had one run through six against the Aggies. He did it all with no run support. He held on. And that helped Auburn at least win one game this weekend at the Round Rock Classic. Huge for Trace Bright against an A&M team that was trying to pick up some pieces after an opening opening weekend, opening series defeat to Xavier where they, where they lost two out of three. But so that's some cool news there for Auburn pitcher Trace Bright. Some other news happening out there right now. More teams are opting to not be in the NCAA video game. Levi, we talked about this last week. EA College Football, that's the new name of the the new college football video game, right? It's EA Sports College Football? I think so, yeah. So EA Sports, obviously, a couple weeks ago announcing that they'd be bringing back the video game. In response, three schools have said they will not participate in it right now until their athletes can get compensation. They want the NIL rules to come out that these guys can benefit from their likenesses and receive payment and now Notre Dame took a stand first since then Northwestern and Tulane have hopped on I think this is a you you said this could be a trend here it is two more schools have hopped on since you've said that Northwestern and Tulane I'm kind of shocked to see it be a trend here it is this could end up developing into another major this was kind of like how the game disappeared right like one group of players said we want to get paid it got big it got picked up and then boom poof gone we lost the game Thanos snapped it away and now it's coming back but it's reaching some opposition which I've made this point EA Sports has said that they were planning on moving forward 
without having any player likenesses or anything like that basically just having completely randomized rosters not doing what they used to do to where they'd have you know the exact height weight hometown position all that good stuff hand deadness like you know accurate descriptions of the player's ability inside the game like you knew who it was they just didn't have their name didn't have that you had quarterback number number, two yeah quarterback number two you know six six but you knew it was cam you knew it was cam it was you could you could say it's quarterback number two but that's obviously cam newton back there i'm not surprised like i told you i think this is going to be a bigger trend they want to get their players play this works out for ea sports in a way i know it sounds weird when i'm talking about teams that are opting out because if the ncaa gets these rules where players can profit off their likeness then ea sports depends if the ncaa cares about the video game coming back exactly it, if if they can get the ncaa to push this which is what they're trying to ea sports should be happy because they're going to be able to put out a more fulfilled product they're going to have a game that has player like that you're going to see which would be really cool you yeah and that's, that's what you that's want the optimal situation and that's what you want and i see and i understand that these universities want their athletes to get paid they're trying to get behind them and I think that's awesome because I have said for a long I'm a, I'm a big I'm actually kind of, that. of skeptical of it though. I'm, I'm like, what's in it for the school? Good, good PR. I mean, I mean, it's you. You can either go at, at you this. Think this is like a, recru- a recruiting a, yeah, ploy or something. Yeah, you can either something? go at this with a cynical standpoint or the you know the oh they really care about everybody. But I mean, I'm I'm a little too cynical to sit here and say that I think that's it. I think they probably do care about it i'm in just a trying sense. to figure out what the university has to gain from this good pr and good recruiting uh, you see you see a school that you see a university is going to the bat for its athletes and if you're a young man who is sitting out there or a young woman who is sitting out there getting recruited by this school to play any sport you see that this university has your back at least in this sense out in the public eye and that looks good it, it does look good when you when you're sitting there and something happens at that university you can sit there and fall back on that and go yeah, Notre Dame has my back. They were they went to bat for us. And this isn't a situation, I don't think, where the schools don't understand what's going on here. Like this isn't a situation where the schools are like, yeah, we know the game can go on without their likenesses. We don't need that. This is clearly now with other schools stepping into this. I don't want to call it a fight, but step in, nor do I want to call it a movement. But this trend, I would say, it's, it's a trend right now. It's not a movement or a fight yet. It could be, but it, right now it's just a trend. It's just a few schools who are falling in line with this way. And with these three schools, this small little pocket of Tulane, Notre Dame, and Northwestern, they're they're kind of trying to strong arm. I don't think they're trying to strong arm EA Sports because EA Sports has nothing to do with whether or not these athletes can get paid. EA Sports, I think, is open to to getting these guys their compensation because they do it for other games. Madden, yeah, they do it for Madden. They do it for right, FIFA. They, yeah, they do it for all their games. I mean, they get paid to be in those games. So. Right. So that's I don't think that that's an issue. And they will make plenty of money to be able to handle it. I but, mean, that, that game's going to be one of the top-selling games of the at least the past. If not all-time in terms of sports games, it will be one of the highest-selling sports games. It'll probably games. break records. I, it's going to break records in some capacity, whether it's just held to the realm of sports within the past five also, years or all-time. Also, think about like 20 years now, 30 years from now, when you're looking back and you can say, I have the copy of the game that came back. Yeah, so there will be not sentimental value, but there will be you know some historical value to having this copy of this game one day where you're like, oh, hey, I have the original edition of the one that came back. Exactly. That restarted there, this. There are going to be people who get get it from, buy this game and purchase this product from us, just like you said, just to have it. 
Because, I mean, it's... That's what happened with NCAA 14. A lot of people are holding on. I'm one of the... Me and you are I mean, some what, of the lucky price people. Prices up as far as like 80 or $100, oh, yeah. you know, buying it secondhand now. And I mean, and, that's outrageous. You and I are that's some of the lucky you, ones. That's, yeah, right. I got it when it was only, you know, like $59.99. Yeah. You know, we still paid full price. We paid, <laughs> we paid full price when now it first came out. Now people are like marked up by 20 or $30, maybe even more than that, depending on, you know, where you're, wherever you see it, whether it's you know, on eBay or something like that. Or if but you get lucky and find it at a yard sale or something. Which I think that's more of a demand issue oh, yeah. that it, that there really aren't that many in demand or anymore. There's a scarcity of the yeah. old video games now, or at least of the, the most people, recent ones. At least people like willing to get rid of it. I mean, because yeah. people, people who have this game, they don't want to get rid of it. They and, still go play it. And people may think, well, why is this important? Why are you guys talking about this on a sports show? Because this is going to affect the athletes at the universities that you re- that you root for and that you watch. This is a major thing that's coming up this year with them talking about NILs and guys being able to be able to benefit from their likeness and athletes getting paid and and being able to go and take endorsement deals from outside companies and things like that. Guys being able to, you know, I don't know if they'll it'll go as far as them being able to, you know, hook up with Nike or Adidas or um, Under Armour and things like that. But it's a chance for athletes now to be able to go out, you know, and get into endorsement deals and whatnot and this is just kind of another a uh, little bit of a smaller scale but this is a big game in pop culture this is a huge pop culture thing in terms of college football and all you have to do is go and look around on the day that it was released i still see social media accounts tweeting out stuff about it and yeah, people are excited there's I mean, a lot of content about it people are really excited about this and this could be a really big step this it's crazy to think this a video game a video game could be what really pushes for athletes to get compensated in a certain way and it's weird to think about it but it makes a lot of sense well the universities are using it as a way to strong arm now the ncaa on this issue my thing is well they how does the ncaa view it like is this really a major like and the universities these guys are a whole lot closer to the politics than we are so maybe they so they obviously probably know stuff that we don't and they see this as it's a calculated move this is clearly a calculated move that Notre Dame decided to do this. And then now a couple of other universities are like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do this. I was and the question is, does the NCAA, care. does it matter to them, right? Does it care? Does this move the needle for them? They're in a hard spot in this whole conversation because it's obviously there are now laws being passed that players have to be compensated. It's, they're, it's a lot. Like the NCAA is losing the battle that they tried to desperately suppress for a long time i wasn't surprised when northwestern hopped in i mean northwestern that was were, where it all began. that was where it all began well I, there roughly, was, roughly. I think with the NCAA, I think they were with the, the big foot, one i think it started though with ucla with basketball yeah. back in the day though with the college it, yeah. basketball game and then northwestern northwestern was the big face of the football and they might not have been the right. one that started but they were the face behind that that movement. went after the, the actual football video game but i think the whole like attack yeah. on the video game it franchise yeah. it started with basketball i think with ucla you got two lane involved you better watch out them nola boys ain't scared they coming and they ain't backing down well that's a that's also you know a med school i don't know what they're i don't know what law school looks like at tulane but it's uh it's a reputable university and it's it, it's fun it's it's good to see that you have different representations it's not just notre dame northwestern you have a small i don't know school. it's the smart guy schools right now it, right now it is yeah there's some, there's some smarter schools in there and another thing just before we hit on the break when we're talking about why this is important this is a good teaching tool for anybody out there who is trying to get into and learning about the game of football. Why do I know that Illinois and Ohio State play for the Battle of the Illy Buck? Because I used to play those games on the NCAA growing up. You learn about a lot of this rich history but that these programs have. In response to that, people say, why does that matter? <laughs> 
Imagine if you're going into a career like it like we did. That's fair. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Listen to The Drive with Bill Cameron every weekday from 4 to 6. Following on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Bill and Dan are going to be taking your calls, diving into all the latest and greatest stories in Auburn athletics and beyond. Once again, from 4 to 6, that's The Drive with Bill Cameron. That's what I, listen, that's what I listen to. I got a long way that's home. Right. That's what I listen to on the Hop way in home. the car. Hey, I'm pumped to listen to it. Always enjoy it callers call in our phone lines are still open at 334-321-1390 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater before we wrap up the show let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight hey everybody it's noah gardner with what's on tonight it's the women tell all episode of the bachelor tonight at seven on abc if you've been keeping up with this season the women have been pretty nasty to each other so buckle up as they rehash some old rivalries at the same time at seven on nbc the voice kicks off its new season with the blind auditions a look at some college basketball games happening tonight on tv starting the acc at 5 p.m on acc network with miami at number 15 virginia north carolina will head to New York to play Syracuse at 6 on ESPN. At the 8 p.m. time slot, it's Bedlam, but basketball. Number 7, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State on ESPN. On ESPN 2, catch Arizona at Oregon. The NBA has a pair of games on NBA TV. At 7, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans will host the Jazz. At 9.30, LaMelo Ball and the Hornets will duke it out with Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers to wrap up the night. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. I want to wrap up the show here with some Auburn football. And I see a lot of folks talking about culture. They always want to talk about it when you call in. They want to know about culture and what, what that's going to be like, what's going to change in this program. And you see things on social media, like this team's working out at 5.45 in the morning. That's huge. and I, I, that, that's, not, that's not the kind of stuff we saw while Gus Malzahn was here. And it really feels like the more and more people that I talk to, there's a culture change sweeping across the program right now at Auburn. I agree with that. I just feel like there's a hard-nosed kind of tough mentality that is coming out of this program right now that seem to be, at least from outside looking in and from a fan perspective, seem to kind of be lacking. It just seemed that Auburn didn't really have that, that tough, that hard mentality. Does that go back to the previous regime? Does that just come from some of the players that were brought in? Who knows what the reason was? It just seems like there is a shift in thinking around here. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with you look at the style of offense Auburn ran. It was finesse. It was speed. It was scheme. It wasn't really just bad scheme. Yeah, it was bad scheme. It wasn't us trying to just it wasn't people trying to line up and hit somebody. It wasn't trying to be bigger, better, stronger athletes. It was trying to just run around the bigger, better, stronger athletes. But it really does seem that Brian Harson and them boys are trying to bring in this really tough-nosed, hard accountability mentality. And I like that. I like that kind of mentality coming in to this season. At least outside looking in, that's what it seems like they're heading towards. So what kind of culture do you want to see cultivated at Auburn right now in the football program? And we want people to call in on this. You got quick thoughts. We're headed towards the end of our show. Five minutes left, but the phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. hey, even if you don't make it to us, you can call Bill Cameron. That's right. you You can preach to them about it as well. I mean, just think... I just want this. I want it to be more of a accountability held. I want to see more of just you're getting there early. You're working hard. I want to see. T- I want to see it tough. I want to go back to 
where I felt like we could line up guys who could compete athletically or physically, not athletically, because I think we could always out athleticize certain people at certain position or we could outspeed them or whatever, out finesse them. I do want to see us be able to have some sort of power. I want to see power. And when I say that, I'm looking at the trenches. I want to see the defensive and offensive lines really be, and it, usually it's not the defensive line's problem. It's more or less the offensive line. I want to see those two position groups be big. I want to see those two. I want to see power. I want to see hard nose. I want to see toughness. I want to see this. We're not going to take anything from anybody anymore. You want that Sean Shivers attitude and someone that's a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, exactly. That, that's perfect. That, you know what? That's perfect. I don't even have to yeah. no, nothing else to say. That's perfect. You hit it right on the head. There you go. I what, want. What, what about you? I say. What do you want? What do you want to hear? I want mean. I, I want agree them with that. to be mean. Not outside the football field, but when you're on the football field, I want people to regret the fact that they just played you on Saturday. I that agree they with know that. Going yeah. into it, you know the the label that Alabama Georgia has is that you play in Alabama. You, have a bye week next week have a bye week before uh have a scrub game after because you're going to be feeling it you know you there are some teams that just have that label that when you play them you feel it those bama versus lsu games of old back in the you know traditionally the less miles age where you they the 10 you know the nine to sixes those type of games where you're sore for a whole week now i'm not advocating for nine to six ball games which i know that's not what you're saying but I, i want there to be some enforcer-like element with this Auburn program. I want them to be mean when they're on the field. I want, I know Derek Browns don't come around every every day, but like guys that like you talk about in hushed tones around the league, you're like, oh man, that that guy threw an offensive lineman into a quarterback because that happened in the LSU game. He 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 backed an offensive lineman into Joe Burrow and sacked him with his own teammate. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. I, I want I want I want those hushed tones like. So people people got to fear you when you step on the football field. And I don't think anybody in this league has feared Auburn when they have stepped onto the football field under Gus Malzahn. And I'm, I'm ready to see that type of mentality when Auburn goes out there. I want people to fear Auburn's football team when they're coming to town. I, and I agree with that. And I think a lot of that also comes from engagement. I, there are so many times where you it just feels like you see guys who are out there maybe not taking a play off because I hate, I, I don't really like to say that because something could, I mean, they could just be winded. But I feel like there's been a lackadaisical approach at certain times with just guys being engaged. And I think if you can get some guys who come out there with that enforcer mentality. You want every play to matter. Yeah, you want to That's come out and mean. be mean. You want it to be tough. You want them to be engaged from the time that game starts to the time that game ends. Example, and I go back to this a lot. I was watching the Iron Bowl this past year, as was a lot of, a lot of folks. The question is, how long did you watch the Iron Bowl this year? But... I was watching the Iron Bowl this year, and there was that wide-open pass to Seth Williams in the seam, and he dropped it, and it was it was an easy touchdown. It was a walk-in touchdown. And there's that drop, and it's like you knew as an Auburn fan that there was not you were not going to get that opportunity again. There was not going to be an easier pass-catch situation for the rest of the ball game. Nope. You want your team to make those plays. Other teams don't make those mistakes. And it seems that auburn is making those mistakes more than everybody once a else. game yeah. twice a game they don't feel it doesn't feel like they capitalize or at least they haven't felt like they've capitalized in the past when those opportunities have been pre- presented to them and what you're saying right now i think a good way to kind of you know put words to what you're saying or try to encapsulate what you're what you meant by your your comments that you were just making is that you want auburn to make every play count or yeah. at least to play 
with that effort because you're going to mess up sometimes you're going to make mistakes but you want them to have that effort in on every play that every play matters you don't want the mistakes to be because of a lack of effort or just because you were taking a playoff you want if you make a mistake that's fine get up and get up and fix it just don't let it be a habit and don't let the reason you're making mistakes is because you're taking a playoff and Auburn doesn't have the recruiting talent that some of these other teams have and that's just the truth go and look at the rankings and I'm not just talking about this past year I'm not being a downer. It's just, look, Alabama, Georgia consistently recruit higher than Auburn. LSU does. I mean, Auburn's consistently fourth or fifth in recruiting every year, maybe even lower than that. In this year's case, they're lower than that. You've got to play like that and play buttoned up if you're going to win. you got to play mean. you got to play with some heart. And uh, I'm excited to see that because I think it's coming to the program. I think there's a culture shift happening at Auburn football right now. That does it for our Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.